Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Kristen Kinney coming up here momentarily from AT&T Sports. And at 5.30, Tanner Mangum is going to join the show. Of course, Kristen today brought to you by our friends at Divi. Divi, the modern financial pl- uh, platform for business. See you, how you can spend smarter at getdivi.com. We'll ask Kristen uh, what she is seeing from the Jazz and uh, how they can get Mike Conley going, Gordon, which is uh, that and rebounding have been the two major Jazz themes of the day today. Yes, they have. And the Jazz were 4-1 and one and looking like they were heading in the right direction. Uh, Mike Conley seemed to have uh, straightened things out, and uh, then they go out and lose two games. They could have won had they rebounded and had Mike uh, contributed a little, a little more efficiently. Uh, and you're right; those are the two things that have to get fixed. And and that's either good news or it's bad news because it's very clear where the areas of improvement need to come. So, and, and it seems as though those two things would be fixable. I got this tweet from Adam, and I'll, I'll read it. He says, the, chat, the Jazz can't wait for Conley to get comfortable or learn how to rebound. They need to fix these issues now. They've already dropped three against Western Conference foes, and every game could mean the difference between a top spot and the eighth seed. You're not wrong about that yeah. uh, at all. But that, the, the, that was my point earlier. But the issues exist. I mean, we could say, well, they need to fix them now, and that's easy for us to say. But I, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think Coach Snyder would have told you he expected this much of a struggle to start off for Mike Conley. You didn't expect it. No. I didn't expect it. But that doesn't change the fact that it's happening. So they've got to figure out. That's what I'm saying. They have to figure out how to get him going. They're going nowhere unless they do. So we all would like to say, hey, just fix it. <laughs> and, hey, Mike, get comfortable. Right. But, Hurry up, too. But the truth is, is that the issues are there. And and like we said, I mean that this is a new challenge for Quinn Snyder. He's got to figure it out. He and the staff have well, to Mike figure has it to out. Figure it out. They all do. Absolutely, one hundred percent. You're entirely right. They have to figure out how to get him comfortable and get him effective. Because right now, Donovan Mitchell is playing at such a level that he can't possibly prop up this team offensively the entire season. He's got to figure out. Oh, they, they've got to figure out a way to get Mike Conley going. There's just no ifs, ands, or or buts yeah, about it. Exactly. All right, out to the Sprint special guest line we go. Uh, Of course, um, uh, Sprint is the network built for Unlimited with great deals on great devices every day. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. She works for AT&T Sportsnet, our good friend Kristen Kinney. Hi, Kristen. How are you doing today? Hey, guys. I'm good. How are you? We're doing great. We're talking a lot about Mike Conley and getting him going. Uh, What are you you seeing in that locker room? What are kind of the attitudes not only from him but uh, from his teammates? You know, I don't think there's anything really to worry about about Mike Conley. He's an absolute pro. The guys know that. The guys believe in him. Um, So I'm actually just seeing, you know, positivity and uh, encouragement. Um, It's really cool to see Donovan and Mike and their bond at practice the other day. They're just, you know, putting their arms around one another. They really have established a solid bond. I think everyone else is worried about Mike Conley on the outside, but on the inside, here's a guy who's, you know, a, a total pro. Um, talking with Jeff Green, he's has no concern that he'll start to mesh and fit into the system. Again, the guy's been with one 
system his entire NBA career. It's just going to take time. How much time? We don't know, but I would not panic. No need to panic. The team isn't. Meanwhile, the Jazz are losing games, though, Kristen. Well, we've lost two so far, and I don't think that's as much to do with one individual player as I do with um, the effort on rebounding. Um, I think Coach Quinn Snyder and most of the guys, they all said the same thing. Defensive rebounding is killing us. All five guys need to crash the board. It can't just be up to Rudy or the bigs, especially now that Ed Davis is out. That's a lot of pressure, you know. Um, Tony Bradley, he has a big opportunity here, but it's going to take time. So I think really it's the effort uh, on the rebounding to close out the possessions, to box out. Uh, That's got to be first priority at this point. We did start seeing a little bit more uh, offensive rhythm and less turnovers, but the turnovers are costly. They have been costly in Sacramento. So I think it's more about that, the collective team effort, than putting it just saying on a guy like Mike Conley or on, you know, Boyan or whatever. Um, I think it comes down to overall all five guys being focused on the board. Well, yeah, it's both. Uh, the question is, what has Quinn given any hints as to what he's doing about this second and third chance problem? Because those two things really did cost him in the last two games. You saw Bogdanovich completely leave his man open to get that offensive board, and it just seems like it's a matter of focus. It's not necessarily a matter of guys needing to be six foot eleven. Yeah, um, exactly. That's when we ask him about that. You know, it's really the, just the focus and really locking in on that and being committed to it. So it's almost like when we talk about coming to the Utah Jazz and knowing that to play on this team and to play well, you have to focus on defense, transition, transition defense, right? So I kind of compare it to that is really focusing on that and embracing that and having that become your priority. Well, now that has to shift to the board. And just like you said, it doesn't have to be a big guards need to be actively involved, getting back all five guys. So I think that's just the the focus for him now is getting guys locked in and understanding that you have to build those habits. And they have to build them now. We can't wait because that's costing us the, the last two games, the boards. Uh, you mentioned uh, Ed Davis earlier. Pretty amazing that uh, he played on a broken leg and basically had to say, wow, I think something uh, might be an issue. It was first recorded, uh, reported as a contusion, and then they go back in and say, yep, it's indeed a fracture. And uh, they're really going to miss him over the next few weeks. But that was that's, that's a tough dude right there. Yeah, it was so surprising for him, too. He had no idea. He said he thought it was a contusion as well. It's an absolute bummer. Uh, for the entire team, for him. And, man, he is a tough guy. Yeah, he was not expecting a fracture. But we're going to be without him for four to six weeks. So next man up mentality. How about, how about Tony Bradley? Young guy getting an opportunity. We'll see how he does. Yeah, he's going to be counted on to uh, do some rebounding and play some defense and to uh, find his way through that pick-and-roll Resistance that he's going to have to put up because teams know <laughs> the second he's in the game, you know, they go right at him. And that's the thing about these problems that the Jazz have uh, allowed to emerge. Uh, uh, the opponents know all about that. They do. And how are we going to adjust? I think, what did you guys think about Tony uh, last night? I thought he did pretty well in the second half when he went in his second stint. 
But again, there's weaknesses there. There's confidence that he has to work on. He still, he came to the Jazz at 19 years old. He's 21 years old. So he still is learning so much. And he's been with the G League with the Stars. So there's going to be an adjustment period there. But I'm confident that he will just continue to grow more and more comfortable with his role now. He's going to have more opportunities. He's going to learn more. And repetition, that's what's going to be key is just getting those reps. I worry a little bit that he gets lost uh, on defense. His, his effort, Christian, there's no doubt about it. The effort is there. His his numbers were even uh, pretty nice against the Clippers. But, I mean, they did. They put him in the pick and roll every single time down the floor. So he's he's definitely still still got some learning to do. But it would appear like the the heart is in the right place. No doubt about it. You can tell that. And, I, you know, a lot of it could just be the confidence, right? just getting comfortable, getting comfortable with a new group, um, being so young. And, you know, he's not a guy that's um, – he's very quiet in his interviews. So you can tell he's just growing the confidence there, becoming more of an adult. Uh, he was a kid when he came to our organization. So I think that that's just going to take a little bit of time, just like you said. I mean, teams are going to go after him. So he's going to be challenged. And hopefully our coaching staff, we have such a great coaching staff. Vince LaGarza has been working with him. And he'll make those adjustments and hopefully build those habits. I just think it is it is going to take some time. Looking at the more positive, as we mentioned earlier, Donovan Mitchell has been playing really, really well. And the thing about him, and Jake brought this up earlier, Quinn's been using him, sort of uh, disrupting his minutes and plugging him in here and there, and he's responded in such a such a great way. I, I wonder if he can keep this up all season long. I wonder if he'll need to. Donovan's a superstar, right? He's been incredible out of the gates. He did this this summer at FIBA, and now we're seeing him just really unleashing on so many different levels. The guy can do anything and everything. I think the biggest thing is that he's definitely much more patient. His reads have improved significantly. And he's, his efficiency, he's, that has been a big focus for him last year to this year. And you're seeing it. He's executing that. Also, just the attack mode. That guy, Coach Quinn Snyder and his teammates, rely on Donovan to just attack the rim. And he's doing it with success. How many times did he get to the free throw line? It was incredible. So that's the stuff that he's needing to do, wanting to do, drawing those fouls. And you see this guy who's in his third year really taking his game to the next level. It's so exciting, right? Kristen, before we let you go, you're always so good at spotting the you know off the floor stories, uh, going a little bit deeper on these guys and what they're like and their personalities, kind of human interest stuff. Is there anything you've got your eye on or you're working on? Oh man, you're gonna put me on the spot like that. <laughs> I apologize. Maybe maybe we'll save it for AT and T Sportsnet. How or, about that? or or maybe maybe something you've run across in the past that you might not be working on right now. But uh, do, do any of these guys have uh, real interesting backstories? Uh, they all do, right? Um, I know there's stories on Jeff Green and what he's had to overcome with the heart condition. There's Emmanuel Moutier growing up in a war torn region and and his mom bringing his family out and to America. There's, there's wonderful stories and uh, incredible stories about our guys. So I can't reveal what we're working on right now, but there's a lot. Excellent. That's to come. Well, well Kristen, as always, thank you for jumping on with us. We really appreciate <laughs> it. And we'll, uh, we'll see you here Wednesday night. I'll see you guys soon. Thanks, Kristen. 
Kristen Kinney of AT&T Sportsnet. I didn't mean to put her on the spot. You kind of did. I did. Go. I you, would you, never have told you to ask her that. You you bailed me out there, Gordon. Thank you for wording that better than me. I didn't mean to put her on the spot. She is. She's good at spotting those stories. I know. She that's she has those uh, those features that she does. And I I love that stuff. I mean, because these guys are human beings. It goes far beyond. Like when we were talking about Mike Conley, uh, people know that uh, in the past he has performed at a high level. People know that he averaged 21 points a game last season. Uh, people know that he's won Teammate of the Year awards. People know that he's a capable, very capable, near all-star level player. What they don't know is all the stuff that goes on in his life <laughs> that, that uh, have nothing to do with basketball. And does that have anything to do with this? Or is it all about adjustments on the floor? I I don't know. He is a human being, though. Last time I checked, I would guess it's the total package. I bet it's the it's the whole thing. You know, one thing the the Jazz and lots of teams, but but we get to see it in uh, big time with the Jazz is they've they've done so much behind the scenes to make it so these players feel comfortable here, and not just the players, but their their families, and and that they make the transition to a new community, and they they make that a, a really big priority and there's a reason that they do that because that stuff matters and so you know getting used to a new city getting used to a new system new teammates new coaches a new practice facility a new uh, arena to play in a new you know uh, new community roles to have I mean it's uh, I, that's why I like when uh, when coach Lacombe made it the use the word comfortable because I, I do I think that's what it is you've got to you got to figure out a way to make him more comfortable and so that that he he's where he needs to be from all of this standpoint across the board to perform because they have to have it. I don't know everything that's going on in the behind the scenes, but I think most of it, I would guess most of it is on the court. Probably. You know, just trying to find his place, his usefulness, uh, feel that comfort when it comes to stop and pop the shot or that floater that he seems to like uh, but has not really been able to make consistently. These are things that but when it did go well in that in that third quarter, boy, it went well quick. Didn't Against it? the Clippers, the the time before, right? and we thought, okay, that's that's taken care of now. But no, sort of might not be that simple. No, it's maybe not that simple. maybe it's something, and, and we chatted about this before the season that that Don, or that uh, that Conley is fitting into the Jazz as opposed to the Jazz fitting into Mike Conley. I mean, if you're, you know, we talk about all the different coaches he had at Memphis, but, it, it, you know, he was so entrenched there. If you got hired as the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, well, you were going to center it around Mike. I mean, you were going to adapt what you did to him because he was the best player on the team. You know, Mike comes into a situation where the Jazz are, are very established and have established players and established ways they like to do things and established offense, and he has to fit that and that might be a new thing but for him. But maybe there's middle ground. Maybe they could somehow meet him part way so that on some some possessions he can do what he was doing before. Obviously, he doesn't have Marcus Saul there to uh, drop the ball to. But he was more than a one-trick pony in Memphis. He was doing other things as well. But that disrupts other people. Uh, Rudy Gobert gave some some quotes to Andy Larson that would indicate he's a little grumpy about what's happening with him on offense. So, you know, what you do for Mike Conley, how does that disrupt somebody else? That's why this is it, – it's such a delicate thing. Mm. I'm not – you know what? It, 
I'm not jealous of Quinn Snyder when it comes to this, because this is the type of stuff that's really difficult to figure out and make click. And in, in this case, I, I think the attitudes, for the most part, are in the right place, which is going to make it easier than it, than it could be. But it's still difficult oh, nonetheless. The attitude thing is huge. It's huge. Yeah, I agree. But it, it still but, needs but, to get but, figured but, out. Here's the thing. Quinn is such a student of the game that you'd think that he, he has studied Mike's game and looked for these indicators and – it's worth it, man. He's one of your three best players. Yeah, but does that inspire Mike Conley to throw more confident passes if he's not comfortable? Not necessarily. I mean, that's, not that's if, the hard not part. Not if he's used to dropping the ball to Marcus Gasol out on the elbow and letting him do his work from there, yeah. and he can't do that with Rudy Gobert. Tanner Mangum joins the show next. Want to remind you about Diamond Airport Parking. Don't take the bus tour at the airport parking lot. Diamond Airport Parking offers covered self-parking, covered valet parking, open valet parking, and free 24-7 car-to-curb shuttle service. Diamond Airport Parking since 1922, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park ride and save Diamond Airport Parking. Tanner's next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. We want to say uh, a big thanks to Kristen Kinney for jumping on with us in the last segment. Our interview today brought to you by Divi, the modern financial platform for business. See how you can spend smarter at GetDivi.com. We're going to talk to Tanner Mingham coming up here momentarily, former BYU quarterback. And I would imagine he feels pretty good about both BYU quarterbacks last week against Utah State. Well, how couldn't you? You know throwing for over 400 yards and uh what like 635 total yards something like that that offense was uh, moving up and down the field doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in the old Aggie d though does it <laughs> no there's always a frick to a frack they're dealing with some stuff i mean they've been beat up all year long and woodward not being there didn't help him. Uh, no, and that's, I mean, he's such a good player. That's such a huge loss for them. You just feel bad for that guy. All right, uh, jumping out to the Sprint special guest line, lease any handset and get an iPad for ninety nine ninety nine shipping. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now, former BYU quarterback, making his weekly appearance on the show. He's our good friend Tanner Mangum. Hi, Tanner. How are you? What's up, guys? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? How was your weekend? We're doing pretty well. We had a good weekend. And uh, Tanner, uh, you know, you know, I don't know if you know this, Jake, but Tanner is in demand. You know, speaking all around the country and stuff. And people <laughs> inviting him. So I've decided that maybe we need to draw out his personal, you know, more personable side. Okay. And you're during... going to accomplish this how? I don't Alex, know. Are you, are you saying that I haven't been personable? <laughs> Yeah, don't insult no, no, Tanner. I, that's not a good way to start. No, that's, that's what I meant. That's not what I meant. That's, that's, that's classic Gordon, kind of a backhanded compliment. No, no. <laughs> that's Dude, true. That is classic Gordon. Tell us one interesting thing about you, Tanner, that people might not know about you. I know that you've been the subject of many stories through the years and in your playing days and all that, but is there something that might surprise people about you? Mm, great, good question. Fun fact, I was actually um, a spelling bee champ in elementary school. Wow. Wi-Fi in elementary, 
uh, and then in actually in fifth grade, I went on to the city, the Boise City Spelling Bee, ended up getting fourth place. So probably my, my claim to fame, I peaked I peaked in elementary school. Well, wow. and those those what, folks in Boise can spell. What? Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> what uh, yeah, lots of smart kids in Boise. What <laughs> word stumped you? Do you remember? Yes, I do. It was predecessor. Oh. Gordon, go. Predecessor. Well, P-R-E-D-E-C-E-S-S-O-R? Correct. My fifth grade self said P-R-E-D-A. C-E-S-S-O-R. Dang it. Dang it. To this day, I'll never forget it, and I'll never misspell that word ever again. Didn't you say, Jake, that you struggle with spelling? Very much. (laughs) I struggle with spelling very much. So I have great admiration for Tanner and his spelling capabilities. (laughs) Uh, Tanner, we were just saying how you've got to feel pretty good about both quarterback performances uh, for the Cougs last weekend against Utah State. Absolutely. It was, was, uh, first of all, heartbreaking for Jaron, I mean, he, he he played his his heart out. He really was balling out, having a great game, doing all kinds of good things, both on the air and through the ground. And in a way, kind of validating what I had talked about last week. You know, I, I was asked multiple times who I think should start, and I and I said Jaron, and it, and it was showing why I thought that. Just his ability to create, he's dynamic, keeps defenses on their toes. He's and he's super athletic, which is. Um, which is makes it tough on a defense. But then when he went down, that concussion, it just, I mean, it, it, makes, you, it makes you sick because you know that it's going to have an effect now, having two concussions within three weeks. That's going to have a, a lasting effect. And, um, and, you know, I hope that he can recover soon from that. But then, man, props to Baylor for coming in again and uh, just, you know, not phased by the situation, just – responds when his number is called and goes out and, and plays calm and confidently and did a great job keeping the momentum, the momentum going in that second half. What do you think, Tanner, about that uh, pass from Micah Simon over to Romney? That way? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you know, Micah, he, you know, he played a little QB in high school. He, he always thinks he's he's a better thrower than he is, but they gave him a chance <laughs> and uh, he, he took you know, made the most of it. Props, props to him, though, for taking the – the uh, the roughing the passer too with it even though it was a little bit of a uh, just a little bit of a slap on the head but you know standing there in the pressure uh, corner blitz stands in there and makes the throw it was, it was good to see and that, that's the play by the way that we ran in practice all the time last year it, it, it's been in the in the wings waiting and it's good to see them whip it out finally on Saturday I want to getting back to Jaron's uh, concussion. I know this is a personal question that only he can answer, but do you worry about his future? Because, I mean, if, if and I don't know whether these were just fluke hits or what, or whether – I'm not a doctor. I don't know whether once you have a concussion are you more susceptible to the next and the next. But, I mean, he's a gifted athlete both on the baseball field, on the diamond and on the field. What uh, – do you have any advice for him in that regard? Well, yeah, just like you said, it, 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 it's totally personal to him. He knows himself better than anybody. But it, it, it begs the question, is that, you know, is he injury prone? Is he someone that you have to worry about? And so then those questions start to linger in the minds of the coaches who have to make the decisions as far as playing time. Uh, it lingers in the minds of the trainers now who have to be a little bit more cautious with him and how he approaches his recovery process. Because who knows? Maybe, you know, did he come back too early? Did he come back too soon? Now they're going to be even more cautious 
to not let him come back and re-aggravate any, anything more to, to make it even more serious. And then it also affects his long-term prospects as far as the NFL is concerned. You know, they look at concussions, they look at your injuries, and any time you get two concussions in, in such a short period of time is, is, is dangerous. It's, 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 you know, it's something that they take seriously. And, um, and it's, it's going to be, it's going to be something that are going to have to monitor really closely. And it's too bad because he's such a great, talented player, but concussions are no respecter of persons. Well, now, Tanner, we see Zach Wilson, who might be back into the mix. He threw some passes in practice last week. It's been listed as an or situation on the depth chart between all three quarterbacks. You know, if you're the coaches, how do you kind of evaluate now with him uh, possibly getting back into the lineup? Well, I think as soon as he's fully healthy and ready to go, you just you just continue as you had. Uh, you just go right back to your normal uh, process, your normal status, and, and, and you know just as well as Jaron and Baylor have done. It's it's it hasn't been anything that Zach couldn't have done himself as well. And and it's it's you know you don't lose your job in this situation, uh, in this case, in this instance, just from uh, you know sitting out a few games. Zach's talented. He's he's played well. And I think um, with the lessons that the coaches have learned, you know, they, they've really had to adapt and modify and, and change some things as far as the play calling is concerned, the game plans. And so I think you combine their learning with the talent that Zach provides, it, it'll, be, it'll be huge for them. So, you know, but, but at the same time, you don't want to rush him back. There's no need to rush him back right now. Uh, quarterbacks are playing well. The team's playing well. You have some very winnable games coming up. It's not like you need to rush him back into the lineup. But once he's fully healthy and ready to go, put him back in there and keep rolling. I was thinking about that, Tanner, because that's kind of what happened last year after you were taken out and Zach got in there, the schedule lightened up a little bit. And these next three weeks should be, I don't want to say necessarily cakewalks, but yeah, that's what they are. They're cakewalks. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the Cougars should win all three of these games, no matter who's playing quarterback. I wonder if if one is, you know, the former starter is eager to get back in there so he can uh, roll forward because the Cougars are going to win these games no matter who plays. And I I feel bad for Blake Romney because here's a kid. I mean, he had the biggest win of the season, uh, in my opinion, you know. And so mm-hmm. I understand that there's a pecky, there, there's an order that's been established, and I get that. And I understand reasons for sticking with that. But – you know, Zach's been out rehabbing while these other guys are out there winning games. I mean, Zach was the starter in that loss to Tulsa, you know? I mean, so I I don't know. I just I guess I'm asking a question thinking out loud here. Should it just <laughs> should it be automatic to go back to the original starter? Well, well first I got to I got to fact check you a little bit. Baylor Romney, not Blake Baylor, Romney, I'm and sorry. then he lost the loss to Toledo, not Tulsa. Oh. Okay, <laughs> thank you. You know what I'm <laughs> That's what I'm here for. I got to keep you honest. All right, um, but no, I, I totally agree with you. It's it's one of the hardest realities of sports is that there's only one quarterback that they, they can play at a time, and 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 a lot of times talented guys have to sit and they have to watch. But at the same time, you have to be able to make the most of your opportunities when they come, and that's exactly what Jaron and Baylor have done. And and I don't know how Jaron is doing now, but I would assume he's probably you know feeling pretty pretty rough, probably feeling pretty sick. 
And so I think it's going to be up to up to Baylor to step back in there and, and do his job. But um, and and he's done great and he's done awesome. And it, it, if it was the NFL, he would be, he'd be making a case to earn a free agent deal with some other team. But that's not how it works in college. So you know it, whether he what, what he decides to do in his future is up to him. But it's tough when you're behind such a talented guy like Zach. You kind of just have to you know bide your time and uh, be able to help contribute to the team in other ways and stay ready to go so that when your number is called you can go in there and, and perform like he has been but like we've talked about for these next three games there's no real rush to get Zach back Baylor's done great he's proven himself and I think they'll be just fine with him under center Tommy Mangum joining us who's famous for his <laughs> game-winning throw against Oklahoma back in 2015 <laughs> <laughs> no nope, I don't think that's it Oh, all right. Uh, Well, you you get what I'm saying. (laughs) Tanner, you're the best. Hey, thank you so much. We really appreciate it, as always. Okay, thanks so much. Also, real quick, how about Tyler Huntley and the Utes? Really, really impressed with him and the way they're playing. Just wanted to to throw that plug in there Well, hey, hey, elaborate a little bit. Give us your thoughts. We got a minute. Go Utes! Man, I mean, just look at him. I mean, his his statistics, like his, his, his completion percentage on third downs, his completion percentage in the second half. Uh, it, it, they're the highest in the nation, and and just, he's very under the radar, very under you know unassuming in a way, but he's just quietly and calmly picking teams apart. And Utah as a whole, they look really good. You know, I, I thought that they had they showed some you know they had some some shaky mistakes in that, in that game against Washington, but then they really when it mattered most, put it together. And Zach Moss and that running game is is tough to stop. And I think they're they're as hot as a team as anyone right now in the country. And, but a lot of that has to do with Tyler Huntley and the way that he's managing that offense and the way he's just keeping them balanced. And it's, a, it's, it's, it's you know, good, good for Utah because they're, they're, you know, they're setting themselves up for a pretty magical run here. Tanner, how does a quarterback go from point A to point B like that? Because when he first came in, obviously, he would uh, tuck and run a little bit, do, do some things where he would panic in the pocket. But now there is none of that. Is that solely experience and reading and recognizing because he's been through it so many times now? Or is there something else at play here? Well, that, that's a large part of it. When you start to play more and more games, the game really slows down for you. Like I remember when I first started playing high school football, as a freshman in high school, playing varsity, and those first games felt really, really fast, right? But then by the time I'm a senior in high school, the game is just so slow because you've seen it so much. It's the same thing in college. When you first start, the game's flying around. It's, it's, your mind tends to get a little bit frantic. But the more you play, the more calm you are. And then you can just see it in the way he plays. He's confident knows what he's doing. He's not, he's not rattled by the situation. So that's a big thing to experience. But then also the coaching. You know, with, with Coach Ludwig there, Andy Ludwig, there's a lot of uh, influence that the coach can have on a player with the type of system that they run, the, the way they teach you to read the progressions, they help you with your, you know, just the way that you kind of manage the game and manage each play. And so it's, it's been good to see his progression. You know, he's, he's improved a lot, and they needed that. I talked about at the beginning of the season, they're going to need him to play well if they're going to have uh, you know, a, a magical run like, the, like they're capable of having. And it's working. You know, the combination of the, of the system and the running game and the players that he has around him, and he's doing his job, that, the whole combination is making them really successful. Thanks, Tanner. We appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. See you later. Tanner Mangum, former BYU quarterback. And I'm glad he, 
he sandwiched that uh, the Ute evaluation in there. I think uh, you know everybody would like to hear his opinion on how Tyler, Tyler Huntley's playing. Well, yeah, that's right, because he can relate to what uh, the challenge is. And I tell you, there is nothing but complimentary things to say. <laughs> When, when you when you have one incompletion in the second half in a game where you're trailing and you have to bring your team back the way Tyler did in that game, that's, it speaks for itself. I want to remind you about our friends at Homie. Did you know that Homie assigns a whole team of realtors and specialists to sell your home for a flat 1500 bucks? It means thousands of dollars in hypothetical realtor commissions back into your pocket. That's innovative. That's fair. That's a company who's got your back. That's Homie. More Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Utah wins this football game. This was as big a regular season win in the program's history, in my opinion. Never has there ever, ever, ever been a discussion after a win of, wow, if this and this happens, they could be playing for a national championship. Three gimmies the rest of the way, in my opinion. And if Oregon wins out, Utah-Oregon, Pac-12 title game. When you say the biggest regular season win in program's history, I think you can make an unbelievably great argument. They've never been to this high of a mark in the program's history. That is a typical game game that in years past the Utes actually cough up and lose. That's the difference for me on this University of Utah team this year. That's why I feel like it could be there for the Utes this time around because they are doing things that in the past they weren't able to do. Tony Parks and Austin Horton weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Which version of the song do you like better, this or, or Marvin Gaye? Oh, uh, I mean, it's hard to argue with Marvin Gaye, but this sounds pretty darn good. They did it originally, I believe. Did they? I think so. I uh, I saw Fogarty in concert in, without Ve- the, in Vegas. Without the rest of Credence? Just him and his son. His son, I think he had two sons that were participating in one way or another. What year was this? Uh, I want to say about two or three years ago. All right, so he could play hits from Credence? Because he went for a long time. He, could, he couldn't play the, the, the songs he wrote because they were owned still by the band, and he was no longer in the band. But you talk about a recognizable voice. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why Creedence Clearwater revisited. I don't know how that exists. Cause <laughs> how can you have it without without Fogarty's voice? Yeah, of course, I thought the same thing about Journey with Steve Perry. They seem to be, I don't know if they have any new hits. They're surely making the rounds as a legacy band or whatever. Yeah, but they found somebody that sounded exactly the same. Yeah, I was doing covers over in the Philippines or right. something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, real quick, did you uh, did you take in your NFL football yesterday? A little bit here and there. The Patriots uh, uh, get beat. And, of course, my team that I'm so passionate about now didn't play. But, uh, you know, so. They've uh, got a big showdown with the Niners coming up in a couple of weeks. Well, the Niners, Rams. ridiculous. The only undefeated team left. I'm waiting for the 72 Dolphins to have their champagne toast or whatever it is they do whenever the last undefeated team loses. Real quick, though, did you read uh, Plaschke's uh, article or column, excuse me, in the LA Times about the Chargers? 
uh, today? I did not. So I don't know if you caught any of that Chargers Packers game. Let's get Bill on the show. But uh, the the home <laughs> the attendance at Chargers games of of actual Chargers fans is absolutely embarrassing. There were far more. Green Bay Packers fans in that stadium. And this stadium is only 25,000 strong, by the way. And it's just filled with Packer fans. When are the, when are the Chargers just going to give up and go somewhere else? Plaschke's whole column was, we don't want you and we never will. He wrote that column. He wrote a column similar to that when they first announced that they were coming to Los Angeles. He said the same thing. Uh, how about the Salt Lake Chargers? Uh, it, it has a nice ring to it, right? Uh, in fact, here's the headline on his column. Chargers' big win shows why they deserve to play where they'll be appreciated. And that was one of his big <laughs> points is the Chargers were really good last year. They were 12-4 and four and can't get anybody to show up and watch the team in a soccer stadium. I mean, how's it going to look when they're in a 70,000-seat stadium? I mean, well, it's well, going to just be that? horrible. Why did, the why, NFL why, needs to put an end to this. Why does LA not want them? Because they're not, uh, well, one, because the L.A. market is full of Raiders fans and not Chargers fans. That's why the Raiders should be going to L.A. and not the Chargers. Well, they're going to Vegas. That's all taken care of, isn't it? And with all the stuff, it is. That's what I'm saying. They got it wrong. The NFL, know, by allowing this to happen, got it wrong. And they're going to have but, to move the Chargers out of L.A. But, but the L.A. fan base, I mean, the fans down there from all over the country, this is, uh, this is often the case where a team comes in from a different region and there's a ton of fans there because there are a bunch of people from Wisconsin that have moved to Los Angeles. And that's true for almost every team. So why that don't comes the Rams have this problem? And we're watching it directly side by side. Well, maybe they do a little bit, but that that brings up my question that why can't LA embrace the Chargers. Because they don't care. They care about other stuff. They well, care about the Dodgers and the well, and the well, Lakers that, and USC and, that, and the Rams right, right. and the Raiders. That metropolitan area is big enough to be able to love two teams so or, you or tell ten me. teams. You tell me then. I, I'm asking the question. I don't know. It just seems like Because you turn it on and we're not we're not imagining all these Green Bay fans in the I know, soccer stadium. I know. So I'm you not tell denying me. I'm not denying that it exists, but it seems to me at some point that once a team comes there, and the Clippers used to be a joke in Los Angeles. It used to be a joke, but they had bad teams. Once they started getting better, then it seems like more people were sort of gravitating to them. But Lakers ruled that town. I get that. But over time, you'd think that people would begin to embrace a team that puts a decent product on a field. But send the Chargers to Salt Lake, man. They should send them back. Doesn't to somebody here with deep pockets, you know, just buy them? The uh, part of Plashke's thing, uh, the NFL might have to step in and force some action, like the team to be moved or sold or both. This because is bad. It's this embarrassing. is a, this is a horrible look. Horrible look that a city is rejecting an NFL franchise. It's not a good look for the old shield. But, but you can't get anybody in Los Angeles to agree on practically anything. So you'd think that they would be able to. You know, not all come together to reject a team. Well, guess you didn't know. You don't know LA as well as you think you do, because that's exactly what's happening. Is it? Is it the fact that the team came from San Diego have something to do with it? I I gave you the my theories and as usual, in LA. You, you, you know, back in the old AFL, <laughs> then they went to San Diego. Now, now back in LA.
you, I gave my opinion on it, and you just shot it down and then said, well, why? And I tried to give you an opinion uh, again, uh, and no, you no, shot no, it no, down. No, what, 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 okay, give me a reason one more time. I think that L.A. football fans, for one, I think L.A. is an overrated sports city, but two, I think their football fans are rooting for the Rams, the Raiders, and the Trojans. And the, the, the Chargers have no history, have no roots, have no fans there, and San Diego's so bent out of shape about it that they're certainly not going to drive up and support it. <laughs> so... So do you think it would heal itself over time? I don't. And that's what Plaschke's point is, is that they will never embrace the Chargers. Oh. So you might as well. Well, Bill's a smart guy. Might I, as well cut and run now. Come on up. All well, right. Uh, we'll take them. Monday Night Football next on 1280 AM. Big Show rolls on on the FM 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrapping up a big show for a Monday, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, and it's been quite the day. I mean, between what's going on with the Jazz, Gordon, and the crazy college football weekend that was, it's been a jam-packed show today. It's been fun. Oh, yeah. It's, it was The weekend was fun. I mean, it wasn't so fun for Jazz and Jazz fans, uh, but it was certainly a nice weekend for Utah and BYU fans. And, yeah, lots to, to wade our way through here today. It has been fun. Well, Utah's looking like headed for the divisional championship. Sure does. BYU has pulled their season out of the fire by beating a couple of rivals. And they've got three easy games coming up now. Unless you think Liberty, by beating UMass by 100 points, is now suddenly a threat. They are what? Don't they have six wins? Something like that? Six and three. I mean, they're they're not particularly good wins. Their best win is New Mexico, yeah. but but they've got Hugh Freeze as a coach. Gordon, <laughs> he cheats. <laughs> he's, he's he's teaching at the at the Lord's University back there in Virginia, isn't he? I suppose. Uh, you know, they, those folks back there are into clean living. Uh, but the, it's going to come down to San Diego State for that eighth win for BYU, which will be a, a tough game. But if they could get to eight wins. That uh, will be an accomplishment. They did it differently than we thought they were going to do it yeah. for sure. We didn't expect them to beat SC. We didn't expect them to lose to USF. But it's been a little weird that way. It has. But still, eight wins. If you told me eight wins before the season started, I would have said... Yep, that's a good season, and Kalani Sataki will be coaching at BYU for quite some time. And then with Utah, with UCLA, uh, Arizona on the road, and then Colorado, two of the three at home, you you would think it should be pretty smooth sailing for those Utes. Plus, Kai Whittingham said today that with the bye week, he expects Tyler Huntley to be uh, around 100% for that UCLA game. So. Yeah, that's great news for the Utes because of all those games that they have left. Even though they have to take each and every one very seriously, UCLA, who'd have thunk it, is probably the biggest threat. All right, we want to say thanks to uh, Chris Mannix, Christian Cox, Kristen Kenny, and Tanner Mangum for joining the show. All those interviews are up online at 1280thezone.com, or you can find them wherever you get your podcasts. Simply search The Big Show, and feel free to give us a subscribe and a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. Gordo, have yourself a wonderful evening, my friend. You too, Jake. Thanks, Austin, and thanks to all our listeners. We couldn't do it without you. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.